0: Section thirty two of the Book of A Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of A Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Eight, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton, eighteen twenty one to eighteen ninety. Section thirty two. when it was the eight hundred and sixty-fifth night she pursued. It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the merchant's sons went down into the garth, they saw therein all the fruits we mentioned, and found pears synaptic, elepine, and grecian of every hue, which here clustering there single grew, parcel green and parcel yellow, to the gazer a marvel view, as saith of them the poet." with thee that pair agree whose hue a morn is hue of hapless lover yellow pale like virgin cloistered straight in strong harem whose face like racing steed outstrips the veil and sultani peaches of shades varied yellow and red whereof saith the poet like peach in verdure growing and sheen of andam showing whose balls of yellow gold are dyed with blood-gouts flowing there were also green almonds of passing sweetness, resembling the cabbage of the palm tree with their kernels within three tunics, lurking of the munificent king's handiworking, even as is said of them, three coats yon freshest form and dew, God's work of varied shape and hue, hardness surrounds it night and day, prisoning without a sin to rue. And as well, saith another, ceased not that almond plucked by hand of man from bough where wont to dwell, peeling it. Shows the heart within as union pearl in oyster shell. And as saith a third better than he, How good is almond green I view, The smallest fills the hand of you, its nap is as the down upon the cheeks where yet no beardlet grew, its kernels in the shell are seen, Or bachelors or married too, as pearls they were of loosened white, casked and lapped in jasper's hue. And as saith yet another, and saith well, mine eyes ne'er looked on aught the almond like for charms when blossoms in the prime show bright its head to hoariness of age inclines the while its cheek by youth's fresh down is dight and jujube plums of various colors grown in clusters and alone whereof saith one describing them look at the lote tree note on boughs arrayed like goodly apricots on reed-strown floor their morning hue to viewer's eye is like cascavels cast of purest golden ore and as saith another and saith right well the jujube tree each day robeth in bright array as though each poem thereon would self to sight display like falcon bell of gold swinging from every spray and in that garth grew blood-oranges as they were the kaulanjan whereof quoth the enamoured poet Red fruits that fill the hand And shine with sheen of fire All be the scarf-skins white as snow. Tis marvel snow on fire doth never melt, And stranger still ne'er burns this living low. And quoth another, and quoth well, And trees of orange fruiting fairly fair To those who straightest have their charms surveyed Like cheeks of women who their forms have decked For holiday in robes of gold brocade. And yet another as well. Like are the orange hills when Zephyr breathes, Swaying the boughs and spray with airy grace, Her cheeks that glow with lovely light when met At greeting tide by cheeks of other face. And a fourth, as fairly, And fairest fawn we say to him, Portray this garth and oranges thine eyes survey, And he, your garden, favoreth my face, Who gathereth orange, gathereth fire all way. In that garden, too, grew citrons, in colour as virgin gold, hanging down from on high and dangling among the branches, as they were ingots of growing gold. And saith thereof the namoured poet, Hast seen a citron copse so weighed adown thou fearest bending roll their fruit on mould, and seemed, when Zephyr passed athwart the tree, its branches hung with bells of purest gold. And shadocks that among their boughs hung laden as though each were the breast of a gazelle-like maiden, contenting the most longing white, as saith of them the poet and saith aright and shaddock mid the garden paths on bough freshest like fairest damsel met my sight and to the blowing of the breeze it bent like golden ball to bat of chrysolite and the lime sweet of scent which resembleth a hen's egg but its yellowness ornamenteth its ripe fruit and its fragrance hearteneth him who plucketh it as saith the poet who singeth it cease not the lemon when it taketh form catch rays of light and all to gaze constrain like egg of pullet which the huckster's hand adorneth dying with the saffron stain moreover in this garden were all manner of other fruits and sweet-scented herbs and plants and fragrant flowers such as jessamine and henna and water-lilies and spikenard and roses of every kind and plantain and myrtle and so forth and indeed it was without compare Seeming as it were a piece of paradise to whoso beheld it. If a sick man entered, he came forth from it like a raging lion, and tongue availeth not to its description, by reason of that which was therein of wonders and rarities which are not found but in heaven. And how should it be otherwise when its doorkeeper's name was Rizwan? Though widely different were the stations of those twain. Now when the sons of the merchants had walked about gazing at the garden, after taking their pleasure therein, they sat down in one of its pavilions, and seated Nur al-Din in their midst. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the 866th night, she resumed, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the sons of the merchants sat down in the pavilion, they seated Nur al-Din in their midst, on a rug of gold purfled leather of Al-Taif, leaning on a pillow of miniver, stuffed with ostrich-down. And they gave him a fan of ostrich-feathers whereon were written these two couplets. A fan whose breath is fraught with fragrant scent, minding of happy days and time forspent, wafting at every time its perfumed air or face of noble youth on honor bent. Then they laid by their turbans and outer clothes, and sat talking and chatting, and inducing one another to discourse, while they all kept their eyes fixed on Nur al-Din, and gazed on his beauteous form. After the sitting had lasted an hour or so, up came a slave with a tray on his head, wherein were platters of china and crystal, containing viands of all sorts, for one of the youths had so charged his people before coming to the garden and the meats were of whatever walketh earth or wingeth air or swimmeth waters such as catagrouse and fat quails and pigeon-poults and mutton and chickens and the delicatest fish so the tray being set before them they fell to and ate their fill and when they had made an end of eating they rose from meat and washed their hands with pure water and musk-scented soap and dried them with napery embroidered in silk and bugles but to nur al-din they brought a napkin laced with red gold whereupon he wiped his hands. Then coffee was served up, and each drank what he would, after which they sat talking, till presently the garden-keeper, who was young, went away and returning with a basket full of roses, said to them, What say ye, O my masters, to flowers? Quoth one of them, There is no harm in them, especially roses, which are not to be resisted. Answered the gardener, Tis well. BUT IT IS OF OUR wont NOT TO GIVE ROSES, BUT IN EXCHANGE FOR PLEASANT CONVERSE, SO WHOEVER WOULD TAKE Aught THEREof, LET HIM RECITE SOME VERSES SUITABLE TO THE SITUATION. NOW THEY WERE TEN SONS OF MERCHANTS, OF WHOM ONE SAID, AGREED, GIVE ME THEREOF, AND I WILL RECITE THEE SOMEWHAT OF VERSE APT TO THE CASE. ACCORDINGLY, THE GARDENER GAVE HIM A BUNCH OF ROSES, WHICH HE TOOK, AND AT ONCE IMPROVISED THESE THREE couplets. The rose in highest stead I rate, For that her charms ne'er satiate. All fragrant flowers be troops to her, Their general of high estate. Where she is not, they boast and vaunt, But when she comes, they stint their prate. Then the gardener gave a bunch to another, And he recited these two couplets. Take, O my lord, to thee the rose, Recalling scent by mush be shed, Like virginette by lover eyed, Who with her sleeves envaileth head then he gave a bunch to a third who recited these two couplets choice rose that gladdens heart to see her sight of nad recalling fragrance exquisite the branchlets clip her in her leaves for joy like kiss of lips that never spake in spite then he gave a bunch to a fourth and he recited these two couplets ceased not that rosary where rose a flowering displays mounted upon her steed of stock those marvels manifold as though the bud were ruby stone and girded all around with chrysolite and held within a little hoard of gold then he gave a posy to a fifth and he recited these two couplets wands of green chrysolite bare issue which were fruits like ingots of the growing gold and drops a-dropping from its leaves were like the tears my languorous eyelids railed and rolled then he gave a sixth the bunch and he recited these two couplets o rose THOU RARE OF CHARMS THAT DOST CONTAIN ALL GIFTS AND ALLAH'S SECRET SINGULAR. thou art LIKE THE LOVED ONE'S CHEEK WHERE LOVER FOND, AND fain OF UNION STICKS THE GOLD DINAR. THEN HE GAVE A BUNCH TO A SEVENTH, AND HE RECITED THESE TWO COUPLETS. TO ROSE, QUOTH I, WHAT GARS THY THORNS TO BE PUT FORTH FOR ALL WHO TOUCH THEE CRUELLEST INJURY? QUOTH SHE, THESE FLOWERY TROOPS ARE TROOPS OF ME, WHO BE THEIR LORD WITH SPINES FOR ARMORY. AND HE GAVE AN EIGHTH A BUNCH, AND HE RECITED THESE TWO COUPLETS. ALLAH SAVE THE ROSE WHICH YELLOWS A morn, FLORID, VIVID, AND LIKEST THE NUGGET ORE, AND BLESS THE FAIR SPRAYS THAT DISPLAYED SUCH FLOWERS, AND MIMIC SUNS, GOLD BEGILDED BORE. THEN HE GAVE A BUNCH TO A NINTH, AND HE RECITED THESE TWO COUPLETS. The bushes of golden hued rose excite in the love sick lover joys manifold tis a marvel shrub watered every day with silvern lymph and it fruiteth gold. Then he gave a bunch of roses to the tenth and last and he recited these two couplets Seest not how the hosts of the rose display red hues and yellow in rosy field I compare the rose and her arming thorn to emerald lance piercing golden shield. And whilst each one hent bunch in hand, the gardener brought the wine-service, and setting it before them on a tray of porcelain arabesqued with red gold, recited these two couplets. Dawn heralds daylight, so wine pass around. Old wine, fooling sage, till his wits he tyne, Wot I not for its purest clarity, and tis wine in cup, or tis cup in wine. Then the gardener filled, and drank, and the cup went round, till it came to Nur al-Din's turn, whereupon the man filled and handed it to him, but he said, This thing I wot it not, nor have I ever drunken thereof, and for therein is great offence, and the Lord of all might hath forbidden it in his book. Answered the gardener, O my lord Nur al-Din, and thou forbear to drink only by reason of the sin, verily Allah, extolled and exalted be he, is bountiful, of sufferance great, forgiving and compassionate, and pardoneth the mortalest sins. His mercy embraceth all things, Allah's ruth be upon the poet who saith, Be as thou wilt, for Allah is bountiful, and when thou sinnest, feel thou not alarm, but wear of twofold sins, nor ever dare to give God partner or mankind to harm. Then quoth one of the sons of the merchants, My life on thee, O my lord Nur al-Din, drink of this cup. And another conjured him by the oath of divorce, and yet another stood up persistently before him till he was ashamed, and taking the cup from the gardener drank a draught, but spat it out again, crying, Tis bitter said the young gardener o my lord nur al-din knowest thou not that sweets taken by way of medicine are bitter were this not bitter twould lack of the manifold virtues it possesseth amongst which are that it digesteth food and disperseth cark and care and dispelleth flatulence and clarifieth the blood and cleareth the complexion and quickeneth the body and hearteneth the hen-hearted and fortifieth the sexual power in man but to name all its virtues would be tedious quoth one of the poets, We'll drink, and Allah pardon sinners all, And cure of ills by sucking cups I'll find, Nor aught the sin deceives me, yet, said he, In it there be advantage to mankind. Then he sprang up without stay or delay, And opened one of the cupboards in the pavilion, And taking out a loaf of refined sugar, Broke off a great slice, which he put into Nur al-Din's cup, saying, O my lord, and thou fear to drink wine because of its bitterness? Drink now, for tis sweet. SO HE TOOK THE CUP AND EMPTIED IT, WHEREUPON ONE OF HIS COMRADES FILLED HIM ANOTHER, SAYING, O MY LORD, NUR AL-DIN, I AM THY SLAVE, AND ANOTHER DID THE LIKE, SAYING, I AM ONE OF THY SERVANTS, AND A THIRD SAID, FOR MY SAKE, AND A FOURTH, ALLAH UPON THEE, O MY LORD, NUR AL-DIN, HEAL MY HEART. AND SO THEY CEASED NOT PLYING HIM WITH WINE, EACH AND EVERY OF THE TEN SONS OF MERCHANTS, TILL THEY HAD MADE HIM DRINK A TOTAL OF TEN CUPS. Now Noor al-Din's body was virgin of wine-bibbing, or never in all his life had he drunken vine-juice till that hour, wherefore its fumes wrought in his brain, and drunkenness was stark upon him, and he stood, and indeed his tongue was thick and his speech stammering, and said, O company by Allah, ye are fair, and your speech is goodly, and your place pleasant, but there needeth hearing of sweet music, for drink without melody lacks the chief of its essentiality, even as saith the poet. Pass round the cup to the old and the young man too, and take the bowl from the hand of the shining moon, but without music I charge you, forbear to drink, I see even horses drink to a whistled tune. Therewith up sprang the gardener lad, and mounting one of the young men's mules was absent awhile, after which he returned with a Kyrene girl, as she were a sheep's tail, fat and delicate, or an ingot of pure silver and ore, or a dinar on a porcelain plate, or a gazelle in the wold forlore she had a face that put to shame the shining sun and eyes babylonian and brows like bows bended and cheeks rose-painted and teeth pearly hued and lips sugared and glances languishing and breast ivory white and body slender and light full of folds and with dimples dight and hips like pillows stuffed and thighs like columns of syrian stone and between them what was something like a sachet of spices in wrapper swathed quoth the poet of her in these couplets had she shown her shape to idolaters' sight, they would gaze on her face, and their gods detest. And if in the east to a monk she'd showed, he'd quit eastern posture and bow to the west. As she cratch in the sea, and the briniest sea, her lips would give it the sweetest zest. And quoth another in these couplets, Brighter than moon at full, with cold eyes she came, like doe, on chasing whelps of lioness intent. Her night of murky locks lets fall a tent on her, A tent of hair, that lacks no pegs to hold the tent. And roses lighting up her roseate cheeks Are fed by hearts and livers flowing fire for languishment, And spied her all the ages fair, To her they'd rise humbly and cry, The mead belongs to precedent. And how well saith a third bard, three things for ever hinder her to visit us for fear of the intriguing spy and eke the rancorous envier her forehead's lustre and the sound of all her ornaments and the sweet scent her creases hold of ambergris and myrrh grant with the border of her sleeve she hide her brow and doff her ornaments how shall she do her scent away from her she was like the moon when at fullest on its fourteenth night and was clad in a garment of blue with a veil of green, over-brow flower-white, that all wits amazed and those of understanding amated. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the eight hundred and sixty-seventh night, she said— It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the gardener brought a girl whom we have described possessed of the utmost beauty and loveliness and fine stature and symmetrical grace, as it were she the poet signified when he said, She came apparelled in a vest of blue that mocked the skies and shamed their azure hue. I thought, thus clad, she burst upon my sight like summer moonshine on a wintry night. And how goodly is the saying of another, and how excellent! she came thick veiled and cried i o display that face like full moon bright with pure white ray quoth she i fear disgrace quoth i cut short this talk no shift of days thy thoughts affray whereat she raised her veil from fairest face and crystal spray on gems began to stray and i forsooth was fain to kiss her cheek lest she complain of me on judgment day and at such tide before the Lord on high we first of lovers were redressed to pray. So, Lord, prolong this reckoning and review, prayed I, that longer I may sight my may. Then said the young gardener to her, Know thou, O lady of the fair, brighter than any constellation which illumineth air we sought, in bringing thee hither naught but that thou shouldst entertain with converse this comely youth, my lord Nor al-Din, for he hath come to this place only this day and the girl replied, Would thou hadst told me that I might have brought what I have with me. Rejoined the gardener, O my lady, I will go and fetch it to thee. As thou wilt, said she, and he, Give me a token. So she gave him a kerchief, and he fared forth in haste, and returned after a while, bearing a green satin bag with slings of gold. The girl took the bag from him, and opening it, shook it, whereupon there fell thereout two and thirty pieces of wood, which she fitted one into other, male into female and female into male till they became a polished lute of indian workmanship then she uncovered her wrists and laying the lute in her lap bent over it with the bending of mother over babe and swept the strings with her finger-tips whereupon it moaned and resounded and after its olden home yearned and it remembered the waters that gave it drink and the earth whence it sprang and wherein it grew and it minded the carpenters who cut it and the polishers who polished it and the merchants who made it their merchandise and the ships that shipped it and it cried and called aloud and moaned and groaned and it was as if she asked it of all these things and it answered her with the tongue of the case reciting these couplets A tree while ere was I, the Bulbul's home, To whom for love I bowed my grass-green head. They moaned on me, and I their moaning learnt, And in that moan my secret all men read. The woodman felled me, falling sans offence, And slender lute of me, as view ye made. But when the fingers smite my strings, They tell how man despite my patience did me dead. Hence boon-companions, when they hear my moan, Distracted, wax as though by wine misled and the lord softens every heart to me and i am hurried to the highmost stead all who in charms excel fain clasp my waist gazelles of languid eyne and hoary maid allah ne'er part fond lover from his joy nor live the loved one who unkindly fled Then the girl was silent a while, but presently, taking the lute in lap, again bent over it, as mother bendeth over child, and preluded in many different modes. Then, returning to the first, she sang these couplets. "'Would they the lover seek without ado? He to his heavy grief had bid adieu. With him had vied the nightingale on bough, as one far parted from his lover's view.' rouse thee awake the moon lights union night as though such union woke the morn anew this day the blamers take of us no heed and lute strings bid us all our joys ensue cease not how fourfold things conjoin in one rose myrtle scents and blooms of golden hue yea here this day the four chief joys unite drink and dinars beloved and lover true So win thy worldly joy, for joys go past, and naught but storied tales and legends last. When Nur al-Din heard the girl sing these lines, he looked on her with eyes of love, and could scarce contain himself for the violence of his inclination to her. And on likewise was it with her, because she glanced at the company who were present of the sons of the merchants, and she saw that Nur al-Din was amongst the rest as moon among stars, for that he was sweet of speech and replete with amorous grace perfect in stature and symmetry brightness and loveliness pure of all defect than the breeze of morn softer than tasnim blander as saith of him the poet by his cheeks unfading damask and his smiling teeth i swear by the arrows that he feathers with the witchery of his air by his sides so soft and tender and his glances bright and keen by the whiteness of his forehead and the blackness of his hair by his arched imperious eyebrows chasing slumber from my lids with their yeas and noes that hold me twixt rejoicing and despair, by the scorpions that he launches from his ringlet clustered brows seeking still to slay his lovers with his rigours unaware, by the myrtle of his whiskers and the roses of his cheek, by his lips incarnate rubies and his teeth's fine pearls and rare, by the straight and tender sapling of his shape which for its fruit doth the twin pomegranates shining in his snowy bosom wear by his heavy hips that tremble both in motion and repose and the slender waist above them all too slight their weight to bear by the silk of his apparel and his quick and sprightly wit by all attributes of beauty that are fallen to his share lo the musk exhales its fragrance from his breath and eke the breeze from his scent the perfume borrows that it scatters everywhere Yea, the sun in all his splendour cannot with his brightness vie, and the crescent moon's a fragment that he from his nails doth pare.'-And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section thirty two.